not hearing about it, I felt like was more like a cheating thing. Like I didn't want someone to be like, oh my gosh, I saw your husband with someone and I didn't know. So it was instead of a don't ask, don't tell, it was like, do tell, (laughs) tell me everything. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 111. We're Finn and Emma, and we hope everyone's been having a great week so far and had a good Valentine's Day. Yeah, we celebrated hardcore. (laughs) Not really. We're not big Valentine's Day celebrators, but uh, it's still fun. So today we have an interview with Chanel and Grant, and they have a great story. They've been together over 12 years and married 10, and they talk a lot about how to navigate this as an introvert, but also getting out there and meeting people. Yeah, they they take a lot of the advice that we give. I don't know if it's because we gave it, but (laughs) of just getting out and trying different things, finding what works for you and not being afraid of being who you are and just embracing that. And and we really loved talking to them and hearing them go for it. Uh, We also get some really great insight on navigating non-monogamy with mismatched libidos. So that is really great conversation. Uh, One other quick thing that we wanted to just throw out there on their behalf they make a reference to one of them going down and waiting in the movie theater room while the other one is having good times. (laughs) We just wanted to, we cleared it up with them afterwards. They don't like live in a mansion with a movie theater room. Not that there would be anything wrong with that, but it was like a movie theater room at their apartment complex. So (laughs) we just felt that it, it was representative to let everyone know that they're not living in a movie theater mansion. That would be pretty cool, though. I'm not saying it wouldn't be. And for all of those listeners who have movie theaters in their house, please we'll, shoot we'll us an e- please shoot us an email. <laughs> <laughs> Info at nnmpodcast.com. We'll be in touch. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Okay, few quick announcements. Our next Patreon Q&A call is going to be on February 26th. That's a Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern and again at 9 p.m. Pacific. If you don't know what we're talking about, please, or if you want to join, we'd love to have you. Go to our website, uh, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, click on the Patreon button, and you can go find all about it there. The next thing really quick is our favorite condoms in the world because they're custom fit. Well, if long as you're one of the 60 sizes, but let's be honest, pretty they're, likely that they're we pretty are. much custom fit. <laughs> uh, we've been working with them for over a year now, and they're a great sponsor of the show. They make, again, custom fit condoms, 60 different sizes, and they've got tools to help you find what works best for you. You can save 20% if you use our code NNM podcast when you check out. It lets them know that we sent you and it saves you 20% and gets you free shipping. I think you get the free shipping anyways, but not the 20%. Yeah. So use the code. Check them out. They're awesome. Support what they do. And we thank you for doing that. 
And finally, you may have noticed that we've been releasing episodes on Fridays the last few weeks. These are part of our new Focus Friday series. And while we realize that we're putting a lot of content out there, uh, we're really excited about this new series. And it is specifically based on a topic uh, or or a discussion based around a topic, I should say, rather than a traditional interview. So uh, this Friday, we have a sexual health part two conversation with Courtney Brame. He is the founder of the nonprofit and podcast, Something Positive for Positive People. Absolutely. So thank you to him. And thank you to all of the guests who contributed to that. We're so excited about putting it out there. And we hope you enjoy that. Uh, One last time, if you want to find information about that, any of our previous guests, any of the things we talk about on any of the shows in your podcast player below, there's show notes with some links and there are links to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, where you can find full details on everything we talk about, all of our favorite resources, including custom fit condoms (laughs) and including you can download actually all 10 of the focus friday series right there from our website right now yep right now and you can see pictures of our guests past present and not future ones but (laughs) but definitely today's and most of our past guests so go check it out and we will see everybody on the other side thank you for listening yeah let's go talk to chanel and grant perfect well thank you both for for coming Pried you out of bed early after a long night at the club, huh? A <laughs> yeah. little bit, a little bit. We wanted to wear sunglasses, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we don't record video, so. <laughs> yeah. you can, no, we you can put a pillow over your head if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show on this Sunday morning. We're excited that you're here. Hey, we actually learned funny story. You were at the club last night found out with two former guests from episode 23 that were on. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we recognize oh, time. you even looked up their episode I, real quick. I memorized it. <laughs> I memorized it. So, yeah, welcome both of you, Chanel and Grant, for coming on. Do you want to tell everybody, including us, a little bit about yourself since we don't know that much? Yeah. Um, my name's Chanel, and I am a CrossFit coach and a strongman coach. Do a little powerlifting, and I could coach bodybuilding, well, personal train people. But anyways, and I just finished my massage therapy program and I'm taking my licensing exam next week. So hopefully I'll be a licensed massage therapist here soon. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And my name's Grant and I've worked jobs as a teacher in, in a couple different facets, uh, a professor for a little while. And now I've transitioned over to being a full-time CrossFit coach. I, I really enjoyed teaching in the health and fitness sphere. So that's kind of where I've, I've gravitated towards. And, and that's pretty much our full-time gig all the time now is, um, uh, coaching people in movement and health and fitness, that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah that's kind of our daily life. And, um, yeah, we're here in Columbus, Ohio and you know, that's, uh, what we like to do. <laughs> so so how, how long have you two been together? We have been, and how'd you meet maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we met, we, we've been together for 12 years now, yeah. 12 years now, married for 10. Yeah. And, uh, we met at Western Michigan university. So we met in college and, uh, like I said, the, the been what monogamous for the first five to six years. Yeah. 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 Just the two of us at first. And then even then the next couple of years was like a three-way 
maybe one year and then maybe another three-way the next year. And we really just opened up and really started exploring what we like and want to do in our open relationship the last like year or two. Like that part's pretty new. Yeah, very cool. And so what was, I guess, what was the catalyst behind starting to explore, like starting to leak those three ways in every, in the annual <laughs> three <laughs> um, We had kind of talked about this quite a bit, trying to diagnose like where where that really started at. And the two things that, that popped out were in college, we had some very good friends uh, from home who were, uh, were gay. And when we you know, hung out with them and went to clubs, club spiral there in, in Lansing. Um, we, we got married really young. So we got married at 21. One of the interesting things about that was it was, it was more comfortable almost to go because, uh, you know, the music was better. We could hang out with each other. Chanel didn't have to worry about, um, (laughs) you know, uh, guys staring at her or, or, or uncomfortable mm-hmm. conversations at the bar or something like that. But what that gravitated into was really good friendships there. And, uh, as you, you know, uh, the, the alternative lifestyles or alternative relationship arrangements are a lot more normal in that, uh, in that sphere, which was very different from what we had come from. And so that I like think meeting people at the gay bar is what well, no, meaning yeah. that non-monogamous, dynamics are typically a little more accepted and like way more talked about. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. In in our, in our sphere where the, uh, the friends that we had organically from, from growing up or from high school or going into college, you know, that as you know, in the, in the, you know, straight monogamous community, that's, that's the default. And the conversation rarely, uh, steers away from that. And so, there, I think that just made it more normal. It, it brought the topic up and, and put it out in front of you in person, I think, which is another important thing that, you know, you got to see it around you like, oh, this is everybody's doing just fine doing these things that we're very unfamiliar with. And so yeah. I think that planted it. And then uh, we had a, what was it? Thanksgiving, I think. We had a, a bungalow oh. at my father's place uh, that we had to ourselves uh, one of the evenings visiting family. And what we had done is we shared a bottle of champagne or two and <laughs> played the game. Like, so we had been, we had been married for a couple of years at this point. And what we did was uh, we put a bunch of things in a hat. So we, we, we both had a sheet of paper and we wrote down things. And the, the goal was, or the rule was, you can write down whatever you want, anything you've even heard of or, or whatever. And we're going to tear these little slips of paper up. I don't know why we went through that because there's only two of us. So it's not like you're going to pull it out and be like, oh, who wrote this? There's only- I was going to say, surprise. Uh, yeah. After enough champagne, it doesn't really matter, I don't think. Uh, and then... It's just the fun of it all. It is. I think, you know, creating a game like that makes it fun because you don't... It's somehow less awkward that there's rules mm-hmm. to it. And it's like, Oh yeah, we have to talk about this because I pulled it out of the hat, obviously. Uh, so that's what we did. We wrote down anything. And the rule was simply when we pull this thing out of the hat, we're just going to talk about it. It doesn't mean that this is something we want to do. This doesn't have to be something where we're kind of trying to move towards. It's, it's just going to be a conversation. So it's sort of like forced conversation topics. And some of the things that kept coming up or pulling out were like, you know, what about a three-way or what about, you know, introducing somebody else into the situation or what would you feel about, 
you know, me watching you or something like that. Any of these things. And when we talked to, and again, that just that process of, uh, forcing a conversation in that sort of, uh, safer dynamic made it, uh, made it more normal. And I think that sort of got us going towards that. Yeah. I'm curious. Did you both write that down or was it like one of you wrote it down like seven times? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, I know we both wrote three way down. Yeah. I think the first time we pulled it, you know, you're thinking, Oh, I wrote it. What is that person going to think? And then we pull it again and we're like, wait, you wrote it too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I don't know. It it just seems to work that way for whatever reason. You know, if you make it into a game, it's, it somehow brings that stress level down. Yeah. yeah, it just it yeah. seems odd reflecting back on it now. But you know, being newly married, you know, a year, year two or three, it, it uh, it's harder to talk about those things. You, you look back on it after ten years; it's like these would be easy things to talk about today. But it, it was so awkward then. I think you know, being what twenty three or something at the time, you know, everything. Yeah, was terrifying well, you're still to talk you're about. still learning. Yeah, yeah you're still learning other, about each and, other and, and growing. Things. Exactly. So it, uh, and I guess to be fair, it could be awkward at any point in your relationship. And, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 <laughs> but sure. it does, you do get more comfortable with each other, at least hopefully after being together for Absolutely. a decade. No, <laughs> so, so after, yeah. yeah. So, so after learning that you were both interested in a threesome, assuming you remembered it the next day, did, <laughs> <laughs> yes. How, how did, how did it move from, pulling it out of a hat to making it happen. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting one because we were, we were having this conversation last night about, um, kind of coming into this sphere kind of backwards. We, we didn't mention, but, uh, I, I guess if you, if we classified ourselves, we would be monogamish is, is the situation. I mean, we have a, our, our primary relationship, but then we, you know, have, have, uh, an opening, uh, there, but I mean, we still consider ourselves our primary relationship. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so when we were kind of, when we were moving towards opening things up, uh, it kind of came in a little bit backwards in that because of our jobs and because of our situation, we were spending a lot of time apart. And so I think that's what ended up, uh, edging things closer towards, actually turning it from conversation into reality is these sort of conversations of, Hey, we're going to be apart for, you know, this protracted period of time. What do you want to do? Uh, especially in the situations we were in, you could see people to your left and right who are having, uh, in the same situation, having major relationship issues because that conversation had not been had, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think, that that's kind of what was the catalyst to, to start that realizing, Hey, you know, we're not going to see each other for a little while. We've talked about this before. What would you think about if I, you know, uh, saw somebody on a date or something like that. And, and the reason I said it was coming in backwards is because now when we're at a, a swingers club or, or something like that, the, the generic is that you're starting as a couple and then it's sort of this, uh, you know, maybe same room sort of thing. And then maybe a soft swap situation. And then, you know, your sort of varsity level is, is the, you know, playing separately kind of thing. And we sort of started at that there's almost completely right. separate dating and then working our way back in the other way. Was it, was it scary when it came up 
like for real, like when it wasn't just a game pulling out of a hat, when it was like, we might actually do this and, and that it wasn't probably going to be a threesome, right? Like it wasn't the same construct that you had laid out initially. Yes. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, one of the things that we had to learn was that we, I don't know, sex is very different for us in a couple different ways. And so when we did talk about it, when we were separated, I was like, Oh, you know, we're gonna be separated for a while. And you know, I'm sure you want to have sex. Like, that's cool. Like sex is just a physical thing, whatever. Like, but, um, my thing was just tell me about it because I wanted to hear. And I actually liked hearing about it. Once you told me about it, I found out I liked that, but not hearing about it. I felt like was more like a cheating thing. Like I didn't want someone to be like, Oh my gosh, I saw your husband with someone and I didn't know. So it was instead of a don't ask, don't tell. It was like, do tell, <laughs> tell me everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I was just thinking it was like a physical thing. And then we learned like, like one night stand or something. And then when I talked to Grant and I realized that he's like, he needed to like get to know somebody. Like he wanted to go out to eat or out to coffee and maybe on a couple yeah. of dates before <laughs> he slept with them. And then maybe like breakfast in the morning afterwards or go out to a movie. And I was like, wait, wait, that sounds like dating. And like, you're getting <laughs> yeah. to know them. And that kind of scared me. I was like, wait, I like, what if you like fall in love with them and like who they are, you know, like I just said sex. That's cool. Like, um, but we're opposite in that way where he really wants to get to know them. And I'm more like, uh, like, Oh, you're cute. Okay. Let's, <laughs> I don't have to know them necessarily. <laughs> and that, that is a very um, interesting part about it is you think it's going to be one way. It's so, it, it's so natural to paint a really simple picture going into it. Oh, it's definitely going to be like this. And then as you go into it, it's just chaos. Cause you find out all these different things. You operate in a totally different way when you're going about that and discovering these things as you go, you're bumping into, as we've heard so many times of other people's stories, you know, you usually, it's this evolution of you usually start with this extremely well-organized, very detailed rule list of like, here's exactly how this is going to go. And then after you dip your toe in, you realize, Oh, none of this is going to work. Like all of the <laughs> very few of these rules actually make sense in, in context. And that's not how the real world works quick, we need to rewrite all this stuff and, 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 you know, rehash. Yeah. I think after, um, realizing that he kind of needed to get to know someone, um, we listened to like ethical slut and sex at dawn and started listening to Dan Savage. We found a poly group here. Cause I was like, well, maybe, yeah. maybe we're poly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like maybe we need, you know, to have a relationship with other people. And so we made a lot of poly friends. We went to, uh, beyond the love conference and that was really cool. But we were like, that's not quite, but I think it was really important though. It was good to learn about. And it was a really good lesson for us was to get out there and try to in person, you know, expose ourselves to as many different things as possible. I think it would have ended up looking a lot differently had we just Googled everything and kind of kept it between us and tried to learn as much as we could from, you know, the Wikipedia page version of the thing, as opposed to, I'm really glad that we we got here and we looked up, let's find, we've heard about these things. Let's find groups and yeah. go there and actually do it. Like you don't have to right. be poly to go to the polyamory meetup. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to, right. you know, let's just go and meet people. And, you know, it, it, just like trying a new sport or something like that, people are terrified about it. And, but when you go there, everyone's like, new people. Fantastic. Love it. Come yeah. on in. Let's talk to you. We'll tell you all about it. And everyone's super welcoming. And it just, it makes, even if you find out that that's not your bag or not exactly what you want, you're, you learn so much more about it. And you learn that 
you know, everyone's just people. <laughs> and Right. It, well, and it demonstrates that you just, you can go to an event or something just to learn and be there. You don't have to go on if, or if you go to an event, it doesn't mean you're automatically like, well, now I'm poly. Now we're poly. Like, yes. it doesn't work like that. Yeah. No. I mean, the same as even going just to like a sex club. Like you think, well, if I go to a sex club, all of a sudden I'm, I'm a full on swinger and I have to have sex with everybody <laughs> yes. at the club. Like yeah. you can go and just like hang out and watch and just take it in. And like, it's a great way to like meet other people, talk to people, realize that there's just average people in all walks of life, right. Exactly. Doing these types of things and that it's, it doesn't have to be so, so super crazy or fringe, mm -hmm. but it can be too. I mean, yeah. 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 yeah the, and just making poly friends and getting to understand that, um, that lifestyle, it helped me. And then I was like, okay, like he can go on dates. So it's kind of like either we'll sleep with friends sometimes or go on dates with people kind of become friends and then sleep with them. But that helped me understand the emotional part that he could, he could like enjoy somebody emotionally too. And that doesn't mean he's not going to yeah. come back to me or not right. anymore that they're going to be better than me or something. Yeah. So. In the, in those days when you first started, well, I guess at any point, but when you started dating other people and, and uh, sleeping with other people, did jealousy come up at all for either one of you? I mean, it was just the emotional thing that first time, but once I, like, we looked into like poly and open and swingers and all these different things and really exposed ourselves to them, that kind of, I don't feel like I've ever been super jealous. That was the only thing I got worried about was like the emotional side, but yeah, I was you. very different in terms <laughs> of it, 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 at, dealing with my internal hypocrisy has been a journey because, you know, a lot of this had started as, um, you know, as Dan Savage listeners, a slightly mismatched sex drive, right? Yeah. Talk about sexual compatibility and that all the time, you know. I always sometimes imagine like, what if we were on one of those voicemails and like the <laughs> we would have been, you know, we married super young and got into it really fast and then have just stuck it out. And very likely, uh, we would have been, you know, slightly mismatched in that, you know, my sex drive is a little bit higher, you know, and I used to think it was high. And then, I, you know, you get into the communities and you're like, Oh, Nope. Mine's not, not <laughs> high. <laughs> so I thought, that's not, not at all. Um, but a little bit different than, than Chanel's. And, and so that had how, how we had gotten into that kind of formed around that. And like I was saying, my, my internal hypocrisy and in that for a while through our experiences, I'm thinking that it's okay for me to do this. And I know that like, I'm having an emotional connection with this woman, but it doesn't mean anything in terms of taking away from our primary relationship. But I experienced major jealousy the other way, fully knowing logically in my head, thinking about it afterwards, like this doesn't make any sense. Grant, you're doing this and it's not having negative consequences. It's not. So why, why are you getting so worked up when Chanel has a connection or plays with somebody else? You know, it, um, so, but taking things slow and having a lot of conversations about it and taking that time to process and think about it logically, uh, I think has been, has been massive in it in terms of always making sure to talk beforehand and then always making sure to process things thoroughly afterwards, because 
it's, you know, you know, all the worst case scenarios build up in your head when you keep it inside and that forcing a sit down conversation afterwards just to decompress makes a huge difference because you, you solve a lot of those, you know, idiosyncrasies out in your head that, that you worked up or made up afterwards. Yeah. And that's, I've come a long way in that to where now it's a lot easier for us to get into a situation like where, where we're both playing with people and, uh, can just both enjoy it and not, yeah. not hang ups afterwards. Yeah. I guess to be fair, I mean, when we started, I have a lower sex drive. I'm like, meh, maybe once a month I'm good to go. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what I was like. You can sleep with people. And yeah. then, and then if I did, I was like, mm, maybe I'm interested in women. So he's like, sweet, you know, like the three ways <laughs> with another woman, like yeah. that's cool. And then, yeah, I don't know. One time I was just like, Hey, this guy's kind of cute. Can I sleep with, you know, like I might want to sleep with him. And then he was like, wait, I thought you're, (laughs) I thought you didn't really want to have sex a lot. And I'm like, I don't, but it could be fun to sleep with someone else every once in a while. You do it, you know, that's when it kind of, yeah. For whatever reason, uh, making the jump from playing with only other women to men and women was a major hurdle, gotten over it, but for it was, it was a major hurdle there for a really long time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, thank you guys for opening up about that because I think that's a huge thing that people, I mean, you, you, like you said, talking or listening to Dan Savage, right? He talks a lot about that mismatched libido and that a lot of times a potential solution is opening up the relationship. I guess, yeah. do you mind talking a little more about it and like how it has gone? Like, has it, has it helped like combat that sort of tension between the two of you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it's helped uh, amazingly. Um, in that it, you know, it creates a dynamic for you to, to deal with it, uh, in terms of, I think if you can, I've, I'm trying to think of, you know, the best way to put this in terms of, um, it's, it's very complicated. All of these circumstances are naturally very complex. And I think just like a challenging job or workout or something like that, once you've taken on something like that, it makes other things in your life seem less dramatic, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. from going through these experiences together, from having, you know, some feels, some, (laughs) you know, a reaction to, oh my gosh, this happened. I need to unpack and process these things. Once you get through that and out the other side and realize you're still okay and alive, uh, it makes your relationship so much stronger. Then you run into just regular life issues it's like oh yeah well we got through that other stuff which was way harder right this is really easy now i think it just i think everything you survive makes your relationship that much stronger um and i think opening up the relationship forces in some ways uh situations that you have to adapt to And I think, you know, I, we can only speak for ourselves, but I know at least with a lot of our other, uh, married monogamous friends who, who don't know that we're in the lifestyle or, or aren't keyed into this, you see quite a lot of where it's, they're able to go for a very, very long time without any ripples in the pond, you know, rocking the boat. Uh, and that then when something does come up, it becomes a really, really big deal. And I think that that has been one of the things that's galvanized our relationship and it to many outside observers like, wow, you guys, you know, really communicate well or get along really, really well. And it's like, 
I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, yeah, on a, you know, couple times a month basis, we're having to unpack and and navigate through a very potentially complex, you know, emotional situation. Right. And if you're, you're used to that, then yeah. other stuff is easier. Yeah. Well, and I, I was, I'm curious uh, on like, I guess on Chanel's side, when yeah. the, you having the mismatched libido, right? I can see how there would tend to like be like this pressure, like, well, I don't, I'm okay once a month. Like that's fine with me, but I know he wants it more. Right. And, and now that he can, now that he has sort of an outlet for that, has that like, I don't know what, has it been like a relief almost? Yeah. I I feel like we kind of initially um, found a, like, I just in my head, not that I said out loud, but it was like sex two to three times a week, usually on the weekends or busy during the week. But I was like, you know, like, even if I'm not in the mood, I'll initiate or if he initiates like, okay, you know, I'll go with it. Because I was like, even though I don't, I mean, I get into it usually after it starts, but like just craving, like I want to have sex, like maybe once a month. But I was like, I know he wants it like every day. At least that's what I thought in my head (laughs) in college. You know, I'm like, he could probably have sex every day. So like, if I can at least have sex two or three times a week, I feel like we found kind of a middle ground. But, um, after opening it up and then he can have sex with people when he needs to. And then I love to just, you know, Netflix and chill with the dog. (laughs) And that's great. And that's funny when we do tell people that know about our open relationship and they're like, but that's not fair. He's sleeping with a bunch of people and you're just, and I'm like, yeah. And I'm curl up in bed with my ice cream and my puppy and I'm watching Netflix and this is awesome. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I love this. He gets to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see it as unfair or anything. So, and it definitely, yeah, it took some pressure off me not having to be like, all right, I need to have sex at least twice a week so that I know he's happy. <laughs> not that he ever like right. made me or anything, but. Right. But it, it made you more, I guess, kind of a relief about it all. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a relief. Yeah. When it sounds like you learned a little of something about his libido too, that it wasn't necessarily okay. every yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm, and I'm curious on the flip side and to talk on Grant's behalf, because I can hear some people being like, feeling like you're pressuring your partner into this. And, and I would have to venture a guess that like part of this was for you feeling somewhat guilty that you didn't want to pressure into it. You didn't want her to feel like she has to have sex with you. And then if she does, like, you're kind of like, well, does she really want to be having sex with me? Like you said, like you said, you got into it, Chanel, but right. Like, yeah feeling like you're pressuring somebody into something that they don't really want to be doing. I like, I think that's kind of the flip side of that, right? Like you're not just some asshole who's like, I just want to fuck my wife. (laughs) But like, right. Exactly. No, I think she don't can laugh about that, you know, upbringing and, and uh, kind of our relationship dynamic is, you know, I'm from a single parent, uh, you know, background with my mom who is, extremely, you know, independent, strong-willed, outgoing, feminist, you know, so I've had it hammered into me since adolescence that you will be extremely nice to women. You will only ever, you know, you will always ask permission. You will, you know, every time I had a girlfriend home, my mom would always like pull her aside and be like, is he doing this? Like, is this happening? Right. She was never protective of like her baby boy. It was like, talking to my girlfriend or, you know, my wife, like, Hey, is, is all of this happening? Like, is he checking these blocks? And so, you know, that's always been an interesting thing that, you know, like initiating 
first, I think we, how, how long did we date? A while before we Three first years. had sex. Or oh, before no, you before were like, sex, yeah. like six <laughs> months or something like yeah. that, where, you know, I, even though I have a higher sex drive, I've had come a long way in terms of learning how to ask or initiate versus just kind of like passive aggressively, like going through and hoping that it happens at some point. And that, like I said, can lead to, you're saying having a positive or healthy outlet in your relationship. Now, um, it can lead to frustration if, if you keep that all pent up inside, if you have a high libido and you don't learn how to healthfully ask and, or, or initiate that sort of thing. So I think it yeah. was frustrating for you too. Like Ben was saying that you wanted to, but you didn't yeah. want to pressure me to. Right. And then if I didn't enthusiastically say yes, you were like, okay, never mind. Yeah. I'm like, no, but yeah, you yeah, want yeah. to. And you're like, yeah, but I know you don't want to. That, so it's fine. That so was we, a big bump in our relationship <laughs> to, to work through was that, yeah, I, I always wanted it to be yeah, an enthusiastic. Yes, absolutely. I also want this equally as much as you do, but that's not. Yeah. <laughs> so they were on so otherwise, you almost feel like you are forcing her, yeah, and it's not yeah. enthusiastic. That, that is the biggest turnoff I can imagine. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. Well, and and it's interesting. I think. I mean, I can see from your perspective why you had a little bit of like jealousy issue when she finally came and was like. Oh, there's this guy I'm kind of interested in. Yeah. Cause I could see how you'd be like, well, you're only interested in doing this roughly once a month and yeah. now you're going to do it with Don't him. But, it but, so now I, so now I gotta wait, I gotta wait two months for this shit again. That's yes. exactly so I, that is exactly, yes, that is exactly it. Yes. And, and just from learning empathy in terms of seeing things from a different perspective in that, you know, for Chanel, this is sort of like a, we're out, we're having fun. I want this fun story to tell. I've had a couple of drinks. Let's just have this fun experience. Whereas in my circumstance, like I want to make sure we, we had an experience. I could tell that story as an example. Like we had an experience at Princeton where we had met a couple on online and gone there and it was fun, but we, we had back and forth conversation, but like I could tell that the, the, the lady of the other couple, there wasn't a whole lot of chemistry between her and I in terms of like there, but you could tell the conversation was moving towards like, okay, we've come out, we've paid entrance to Princeton. We've had a couple of drinks. Like, are we going to do this? And it was, it was a terrible experience for that because I didn't have that emotional connection. And, and but from that side, though, when when Chanel has that experience, it's just fun for her in that instance. But I had glommed on like, oh, well, the, you must have had an emotional connection, you know, with the, with this person. But then realizing that, no, it's different for us, you know. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You, you kind of equate if the sex is happening, it's deeper. Yeah. Because exactly. for you, it is. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So like, Chanel is ha- having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. When we go to the swingers club, I mean, it's usually, you know, I'm usually going to be involved too. Sometimes I'll just watch. I love just watching and then I don't have to do anything and I enjoy watching. But, um, if, it, if we do a swap or, uh, we had our first orgy a couple weeks ago, <laughs> that was fun. Um, <laughs> in the smallest room that you can find. But, um, yeah, it's just fun for me. Cause he's like, well, I know you probably don't want to, I don't want to drag you into anything. And I'm like, no, sex is fun. I just, I don't crave it very often, but like, it's a fun time. It's a fun story. Yeah. You know, 
you laugh half the time, silly things happen, especially yeah. with six people in a small bed. <laughs> yeah, that that was a that was a thing to wrap my head around over time through experiences was because I had never wanted like taking one for the team, one of us, you know, taking one for the team, so to speak, is a terrible situation in my head. Like I don't like that idea at all. And it's tough when you are like you have that if you have a higher libido when you're you know, focused on that sort of thing, it gets easier to be like, Oh yeah, you know, it, 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 just whatever, let's, let's do that. But when you think about it rationally, you're like, no, that's, that's not a good idea. That's not what we want to do. Well, and, and being that she's often like, she just kind of said, right? Like, no, I have a good time. It's fun, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to like go and necessarily initiate it. Like I can see how it would, it would often feel like she was taking one for the team. Yeah, right? exactly. And, like, You're right. and you would be concerned that that was happening. And, and honestly, like I will say, this is something that we have had to navigate ourselves where we'll be like, well, what are you interested in doing? And it's, it's very indifferent response. Sure. Typically yeah. from, from Emma. And it's sort of like, well, if you don't want to do this, like, let's not do this. But, yeah. and but to like, be fair, I'm also like that in all of life. Yeah, with everything. Like, do you want, what it's, do you want for dinner? I don't it's know. It's something that's not exactly a great, yeah, it's not a great trait. I'm working on changing some of that. But yeah. So we yeah, learned yeah. That, like, for Grant, it has to be a hell yes, but yeah. not necessarily for me. But if it's a hell no, you know, like, I'll say no if I'm like, no, I'm not interested or no, I'm not feeling this or no, I don't want to do this. Like, yeah. For me, if I say no, then it's a no, but you need like a hell yes, not like a maybe. Like me, I could be like, mm, sure, yeah, sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. These people are cool. And he's like, no, that's not good enough, enough, you know? Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know, it's super fascinating to me that like the person who's worried about the other one taking one for the team is kind of like, hey, yeah, I mean, yeah. if there's no like major red flags, <laughs> like, let's do, we'll do it, we'll have fun. Like, it's just another thing we'll do together. Like, I don't yeah. know, it's, it's, it's awesome. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was, that was an important uh, to hurdle to get over was just me needing to realize that, you know, even though I was looking for a, like a strong chemistry, like connection type of thing, she did not have to do, I didn't have to find a situation where that had to happen for her as well. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's different and learning how yeah. to be okay with that has been yeah, so, it's been. yeah. So it sounds like you've kind of transitioned from separate dating because you were together, you, sorry, you were apart a lot of that time, right? So yeah. separate dating kind of made sense. Now, are you still separate dating or are you mostly like going to the swingers club together? Recently, mostly the swingers club. The dating kind of comes and goes just if you meet someone. Um, I guess we could, mm-hmm. this could segue into our technology <laughs> talks. <laughs> Hatred. <laughs> I mean, like, cause, you know, trying like, um, what is that? Bumble and Tinder and stuff. So that he could find. And that's actually where I was going to go was asking about how you're meeting these people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how he was meeting people to date. Okay. um, What am I trying to say? Date. Separately or like occasionally. Not occasionally. What's that? Casually. 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 There you go. (laughs) Date casually for a while. And they would like come and it probably like be dating for a couple months. And then it just kind of fizzle out. And, you know, for a while we wouldn't be doing anything we didn't close a relationship, but it'd just be us, you know, life gets busy. And then maybe he would talk to someone again on an app and date for a while. But like the app thing got frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's turned out to be so much nicer to just concentrate the effort into a single in-person face-to-face event, I guess. And instead of, you know, it, it, um, 
it, with how busy people get, right? Everyone's really, really busy. It's nice to just set aside this very specific block of time. Like, okay, the weekend, this Saturday, we're going to go and have fun, you know, and, and do this there, uh, versus it sort of bleeding into the rest of which just doesn't, didn't work out for us. We've tried it in, in that sort of way. Well, and it just ends up taking over a lot of other things or interrupting a lot of other. And by what you mean is like constantly texting or talking on an app or something like that. Yeah. So that was, it was also, I thought kind of unhealthy in terms of me having like a Tinder profile or, or being on Bumble or something like that. The communication there was not, not great. It was very hard to figure out how you wanted to explain your situation, right? You know, that tiny little blurb text, summarize yourself. Like this, this situation is really complicated. And if you fill all that stuff out, you're immediately like, no, that's too complicated. You're being swiped left on constantly. Uh, It's too much and it's too complicated to summarize in that, in that little blurb on, on a personal note though. The other reason is because I have a very, obsessive personality. Like I do a lot of things very intensely. And so I found the way to get more things done is to have fewer things in my life. And so I can't partly do Tinder, right? I can't partly do cookies or chocolate or something like that. Chanel has it hidden in a place in the house because she knows how to like have a little bit every once in a while. If I know something's in the house, it's talking to me from the fridge. Grant, come and, come and have one. It's yeah. a big deal. You're describing our situation perfectly because yeah. it's the same way. I have to hide things from Finn. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. If Tinder is on my phone, I will check it 150 times a day. And so it, it just became to where the, 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 the metaphor or the analogy I used in my head that kind of set me straight on it was if someone was standing next to me with two stopwatches, And every time you were just kind of using the technology, but nothing was really happening, one stopwatch was going. And then the actual meaningful experiences that resulted from this was the other stopwatch. And you compared the time on those two things. How much would you be have on that wasted stopwatch? And I was like, it is too much of my day that I could be, we could be doing something else. Uh, And I'm sure many other people can navigate that in a lot more of a healthy manner. But I, I just, from self-critical analysis. I was like, this is not, it's not working out. Got to get, get it going. <laughs> also the way it, he tried on the apps to say that, Hey, I'm married. We're in an open relationship and he wouldn't get like anything. Cause they're like, no, you're probably cheating or you're lying. Or, you were a liar until proven weird. innocent yeah. generally. <laughs> so then he would try to just be very vague, like put one cent, you know, like I like walks on the beach or something. I don't know. And then he would go on a couple like coffee dates and meet ladies and then eventually say that he was married or open. And then they'd be like, Nope. And they bounce, you know, like, so you're just like, this is, this isn't Tinder and bubbles, not the greatest place to try to do this. But to be fair on that note, um, the, the times when it did actually work, I have had had one or two outside relationships since being here in Columbus. And it worked in terms of being open and honest at the face to face interaction, trying to explain the open relationship or the open marriage on Tinder or on the app is doesn't work, or at least in my experience did not work. It was when you got, you know, you're not lying, you're not making something up, but you're getting a face-to-face interaction 
as quickly as possible. Hey, let's meet for coffee. And you tell your situation. Yep. I think when you're looking at another person and they're telling you these things, it makes a huge difference. And that's when that's been the circumstances where it has actually worked out is, is to do it that way. There's just so many assumptions and chaos that happens when you're trying to, you know, do it over yeah. a text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's a great tip. Yeah. yeah. So is if you don't use the online dating apps or I guess any of that, how do you meet people then just like at the swingers club or. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that has been in our personal situation um, because we don't generally have uh, ongoing outside relationships happening on a regular basis. The easiest thing we've found is to, yeah, compartmentalize it to, you know, essentially scheduling the open relationship time, which is okay. This Saturday we're going to Princeton. We're going to have a really good time. And then we can get back to focusing on, you know, our, our, our training, our schedule and, and, and other things like that. Um, it's, it's just been nice to go there, go to the club, meet people in person. And a lot of times on purpose, we will go with no set agenda, right? It'll be, let's go. We can, you know, sit at the bar and people watch and drink and just talk to each other and, uh, leaving it open, I think helps to, to make organic connections with people, uh, versus like that, that kind of, uh, negative story that I told before where we set something up online first and then went there. It was a little, pressure in terms of, you know, you scheduled something ahead of time. So there was an expectation going into the meeting and then you were sort of forced. It's, it's tough to schedule something with people online and then meet and then realize there's no connection. And then awkwardly like, Hey, I know you got a babysitter for this and then came out and like, we're not feeling it. Sorry. We're going to have to, you feel obligated, right. To, to carry that thing through. And so, right going there. And that's been a really fun part of our relationship as well, too, is going to the bar and actually saying, Hey, those people over there, that person there, like, let's go talk to them. And that takes a whole level. That's a whole, you know, evolution in and of itself of like, Hey, what are we going to, let's go talk to that person. What are we going to say? How are we going to do that? Uh, at the at the swinger bar, at the bar. Right? Yeah. Or, at the, at the swinger bar. Well, even, so, okay. um, I think also just once we moved from our previous place to here, we were like, we're going to be more open. Some of our family and friends back at home don't know yet. Um, but we were like, we're going to move and kind of like starting over. Like when you go to college, you're like, I can recreate myself. We're like, we're going to move to Ohio. And if anybody, if it comes up or whatever, like we're just going to be open about our relationship style. And that's helped a lot too. I know um, we've met a lot of cool people that way. Just putting yourself out there. If you're able to like back at home, a lot of our family doesn't know right now. I don't know if we'll tell them or not, but, um, just any, anybody we met here at the gym, um, in my class, I found out there was like another girl who was poly, another one that was like thinking about being open. And like, once you start that conversation, um, really haven't had any negative, like I was, we were a little nervous, like, are people going to think we're weird or somebody going to get really angry at us or something? But, um, it's all been positive feedback. And then you meet people who meet, who know people, and, uh, again, it's just that face-to-face interaction and being open and honest with people and that's yeah. gotten us. Yeah. We kind of made really a promise to too. ourselves that, you know, we wouldn't lie about our circumstance. We, we don't walk around being like, hi, we're the open relationship people. <laughs> like, Hey, let me tell <laughs> right, you about right. our non situation in this conversation about coffee. That's unrelated. It's, it's, if someone brought, brings it up or asks about it, we wouldn't 
we wouldn't uh, deflect. We wouldn't, um, you know, bring a co- up a cover story. Surprisingly, yeah. though, it doesn't come up very yeah, often. It doesn't come up as often. As <laughs> it does think. not come up very often. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, but it's awesome, though. And it's, and it sounds like you do it in a way where you're just like, you're having normal, com- and it's not with an intent to yeah. like, oh, this person's hot. I'm going to tell them so we can try to sleep together. It's just, you're, like you said, you're, you met another poly woman at the gym or you like, and it's just genuine interest and genuine connections that then yeah. like you said you meet them and they introduce you to somebody and that person is somebody yeah, i think else, it works right? best when it comes up organically like that because then the person is seeing like oh well these people are you know i've known them for a little while they're in a solid marriage they get along really well or they're really cool people and i just found out that they're in an open relationship versus leading with that and then the assumptions falling out from there because then it disproves right. any predisposition they had in their head it's like no that doesn't work out because these people were really cool and they've been really nice to me and and they're yeah. all yeah <laughs> and it le- leaves the opportunity for them to ask for their clear like for their questions and and understand your dynamic well also mm-hmm. knowing a little bit about you guys and you know uh, knowing that you are fun people and good people totally yeah. I, we have noticed a little bit of sex difference in that though uh from time to time though recently it has not uh come up but like when you bring up when it comes up that you're in an open relationship or something like that i'm i'm sure you guys have had the same experience where for me or with other guys or guy friends it's like what awesome high fives and then (laughs) for chanel it's been tough because or it could be tough because i feel like a lot of times uh you'll get a different reaction sometimes with, with right. women saying they're in an open relationship amongst other monogamous women. Is he making you? Yeah. Is this his yeah. Idea? You know, you're like, no, nope, or you nope. could be, co- be pegged as the person who's going to be trying to go around, you know, scooping up everybody's husband you yeah. know, or something like that. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 No, totally, totally understand that. Um, thankfully we haven't run into that too much though. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. So, so I have a question back Please. on ta- talking about, when you're at the bar and it's fun to like talk about how you're going to go up and, and yeah, introduce yourselves to people. So it's, it's sort of, it's going to be three questions in one, but we'll, cool. we'll take them one at a time. So the first one is how do you, how do you do that? Like, what are your, maybe what are your moves? Cause I think sure. people would be curious. Sure. And then oh, on the flip side, how do you like, what does it for you guys? Like what's a good way for people to do that? to mm. come up and say hello to you guys. Cause I mm. think it's, it is fun to hear like what, what actually works for people as other people who are maybe listening to this and have never done this before. Or who are super shy and introverted. Totally. <laughs> yeah. That's a great, that's a fantastic <laughs> question. Um, I, well, I've been thinking about this quite a bit and I think um, it, uh, it relates back to trying to pull things from what your good at, uh, in your experiences anyway. So being a teacher and we've actually have this fun side gig that we've done. I won't mention the company, but it's where you kind of go around and you, you model and hand out samples of things for, for a product or or thing. And I think something like that, many people, their intro job into the working community is like being a server in a restaurant or something in customer service. And I would say that if you've had an experience like that, pull from that. And if you haven't, 
you need to go do something like that. Take an improv class. Like there's, I bet you you'll find like an improv comedy meetup or something like that. Go do something like that where you have to just out of the blue, pull a conversation out and walk up to somebody and, and start something. And, and, and and even more so that you're getting told no a lot. And this is, this is something that we just actually had this conversation yesterday with some other podcasters about you get desensitized to no, right? And that's not to mean you don't understand what no means. That means (laughs) when somebody tells you no, you don't go crawl. (laughs) Yeah. You don't go crawl in a corner and mope about it for the next three days because somebody said no to you. Blames when someone rejects you. It's not. (laughs) I think too, a big thing that's helped is not having any expectations. Like walking up just literally with the mindset of like, these people look cool. Let's get to know them. And I think that helps when people come up to us too. Because sometimes, especially at the Swingers Club, you can kind of get a feel when somebody comes up and the way they start talking to you and the way they're looking at you, like they're just trying to figure out if we want to go sleep with them. And then that just kind of gives you, even if they're attractive or whatever, just this squeaky, I don't know, weird feeling. But like if somebody comes up and they're just like, hey, how are you? And you feel like they're being genuine and they're just wanting to have a conversation and hang out for a little bit. Everybody can relax. And I think that's a big deal. Just not going up to somebody with the intent of like, I hope we can sleep with them, but just going up and being like, hey, let's get to know them and say hi and just be chill. And yeah, starting conversations always. I'm an introvert too. So he usually (laughs) will take the lead. Well, and for a recommendation like you were asking for, for shy people, I think one of the most important books that I ever read for coaching and teaching is, um, how to make friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. It's you know mm-hmm. one of the best selling books of all time, but essentially the common underlying theme in there is figure out a way to get that person to talk about themselves. You know, uh, what is that? Somebody mentioned that like the, uh, the, 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 uh, mission statement of Mary Kay or to their salespeople is pretend like every person that you're talking to has a sign around their neck saying, you know, that they're very important or that, you know, I'm the most important person here or something like that. I'm, I'm misquoting it. But in, in other words, that person's very fascinating they're really interesting and they have a story to tell, figure out a way to get them talking about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I, I don't know, it's come up a few times where I get a uh, build as a really good conversationalist, but really I just listen a lot. And I laugh sometimes because I've had instances where a friend of mine or something like that says, man, Grant is really fun to talk to. And then when I hear that third party, I'm like, I have said like six words to that person. I think total, mostly they're just talking to me a lot. (laughs) That Active listening and like, you know, how to be genuinely interested in that other person's story. By the time they're done talking, they're like, wow, this person's an amazing conversationalist and you haven't, you haven't really said much of anything. (laughs) You're just listening. You know, I think that that's a key is, is when we're sitting there looking at, you know, a group or or a person is like, let's find out what their story is. Don't go over there to tell them your story. Yeah. Go over there to find out what their story is. I think is. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. That's really good tips. And I think it answers both ways. That sounds like that's what you guys do. And that sounds like that's what works for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that satisfies kind of all that stuff we were talking about before too, is because if I hear, if we hear uh, a really interesting story and learn about somebody, Chanel gets a really cool experience and story to tell. And I get that emotional connection versus, you know, when there's no conversation, 
right? I, I get that, you know, emotional thing that I'm looking for, whether we can make that connection or not. And then, you know, Chanel gets the great story uh, with great context. So I think mm-hmm. it satisfies both of our situations pretty well to just learn about other people. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I just, I still find it awesome that you both have like, you can go into roughly the same experience with like two, like you just said, like for me, it was making a connection and she had a great story and a great time to tell. Like, <laughs> like I just, I find it so fascinating that there's like, like two completely different paths happening, but you guys are like on the same twin bed with six people. <laughs> Oh I think that's just yeah. awesome. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> or that's yeah. another trick is usually at uh, a swingers club, they'll give you a tour, right? That somebody gives a tour, but if it's really busy, and that's how we met the, the group that we had the, the orgy with, we just went up and we're like, hey, how about we give you the tour? <laughs> and so we walked up, grabbed them, and then walked around the place. Smart and- move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just pretend to be just pretend to be the tour guide. Yeah. yeah, even if it's your first time, yeah. Like, and this is another room. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that works out. You said your question had three parts. Yeah. So the third yeah. part was what what makes what makes a hell no for you guys? Like what what would be the not an accept? Like yeah, what makes a hell no? Man, um, just at least from personal experience, it's. That's a hard thing to put into words. I think it's more of a gut reaction yeah. than anything yeah. else. It's it's more of just a feeling that you get. And yeah, you learn to try not to. That, that's been the toughest part because being in polite society and trying to be really accepting of, of everything you come across, it's very tempting to shove that feeling way, way, way down and ignore it. Um, but realizing that when it comes to your own, you know, personal interaction at an intimate level, like that's okay. A little bit of listening to that gut feeling of nuts doesn't feel, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel right. And I think to the, the, maybe with time, the maturity or, or to kind of calm yourself down a little bit and realize there will be other instances like Chanel put very, very well is like to have no expectation, Right it can, it can easily get into your head, especially if you're really like fired up (laughs) for that night to be like, we got to make this work. Like this has got to happen. And it gets easy to ignore that, that gut feeling that you get. And so I think listening to that and being true to that, at least off the top of my head, that's, that's a hell no for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and learning not to ignore that. Um, I think, I don't know. I think some other time you'll get in a sense of where, especially at a swingers club. And again, I'm trying to do this without like, I don't want to, you know, denigrate how anyone else goes about this sort of thing. But sometimes you'll get a feel that, you know, one person's there sort of under duress a little bit and that this is, this is one person's sort of gig and the other person's kind of along for the ride. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah, that, that's, so I'm curious, does that, does that, have you ever had feedback that that was how people perceived your dynamic being that one of you is more outgoing and one of you is more, I don't want to say take it or leave it, but like in a sense, like, yeah, you're, you're happy to be there. It's super fun, but it's not, it's not going to upset you if you leave just the two of you kind of thing. Mm. Nobody's told us that. I wonder if they've ever felt that way. Yeah. The, the closest thing to that I've ever gotten or that we've gotten is, in the, in the few instances where, 
uh, we've explained our dynamic to someone in our regular lives. I have a, a, a friend who a coworker of mine who knows, and for him, it was really interesting to get over the idea of, of like Chanel going down to the movie theater room and, and watching a movie while I'm up here with, uh, uh, you know, a date or something like that. And it, it, you know, that concept of, man, it, we, we want everything. It's very, I think it's a very natural human instinct to want everything to be fair, or at least when we frame things, wanting things to be even Steven. And if it doesn't, that, that, that kind of rubs people the wrong way sometimes. Um, and not realizing that that's not how fair works or that life isn't fair. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's not, that's not really how that works. So I think that's the only time we've gotten something like that, but no, in, in the moment or at a club or in a open situation with other people who are of that mindset, we haven't really, maybe we just, uh, put on a good front, I guess that, uh, it, we've never really gotten a reaction like that. I don't yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. Well, and now you can tell them to come listen to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, yes, we did. We've uh, <laughs> we had uh, the, the the couple that we met last night. Uh, we were we 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 definitely um, and the bartender and a lot of the other people in the bar definitely know about your podcast at this point. Yes, um, we're supposed to. Oh, yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Princeton and yeah. um. The people we talked to last night, they gave us what were their pseudo names they wanted us to use. Uh, Jacqueline and Emilio. Yeah. Yeah. Jacqueline yeah, yeah. and Emilio. Yeah. <laughs> That's not their name. <laughs> Shout them out like that. So yeah, it's a it was a good experience. It was fun. And getting more people to listen to these sorts of things and learn. Cause you'll, I mean, even at Princeton, even at the sex club, you'll, you'll meet people who maybe they only go once or twice a year, or maybe, you know, this is their first experience with things. They're, they're brand new to this stuff. And so, uh, that's actually not to change the subject too much, but that was kind of a weird circumstance last night is we, we're in this process now of where we're having, uh, instances where we're the more experienced, people in the situation and that's really weird. awkward for us yeah. now we're like we were at you know the bar saying good night and like we were heading out and they were like man we really liked it how you know um you asked you know hey are you guys okay if we switch you're know, like asking for consent or asking a circumstance and they were like that was really cool and uh, really mature and uh, you know we were we we're always kind of wondering it. like how <laughs> to go about that kind of thing and that was really cool and i was like did we just, <laughs> we're, we just some more, we were so used to just sort of like going in and like letting other people dictate the situation or like be not being the most experienced people in the room. And, uh, that was, uh, that was kind of eye opening. Like, awesome. Yeah. Well, no, that's cool. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for being, for, for being ambassadors for consent yeah. awesome. and, and for our show. Yeah. And for the show. But, so so now, it, now it leads on to the question. How, how do you, how do you ask for consent and keep it sexy? I don't know that, right. So there's some people who will say, oh, well, consent doesn't need to be sexy. It just, it's mandatory. Right. But I think there is a fine line between like, you can still make consent a little bit sexy and keep it fun and light. And it sounds like you two nailed it. So how did you do it? That's a. I don't think I make it very sexy half the time. I make everybody <laughs> laugh. Yeah, and I think that's another good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's good. Humor is good too. Yeah, yeah the like orgy situation. <laughs> we were like you said, it was like a twin bed, and we kind of all made our way into the room. It was like one of the only rooms left, 
and everybody's like kind of like standing around a little bit and maybe like, can I kiss you? Can I do this? Can I? And I was like, I don't, I don't know exactly what I said, but I was like, does everybody consent to have fun tonight or something? But like, just trying to get people going because everybody's like so nervous and kind of like, how do we start this? Chanel likes to go to bed early. So a lot of times she'll just be like, Hey guys, we got to take it. Like this this? is either happening or it's not. We're all taking our clothes. Are you good with this? Are you good with that? All right. You go here, you go there. She's like, we got to be in bed in a tight 45. So let's make <laughs> we're not, we're not dragging this out any longer than it needs to I want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. And to your point, I think, you know, on the, the idea of making it sexy, I think that what, what we realized was that everyone wants context and guidance anyway. I think understanding that everyone in the circumstance really actually wants that to happen that's when, when you're in that conversation, when, you, when it's sort of happening organically and then there's those pregnant pauses that start happening after you've had a couple of drinks and like the conversations are going on for a little, it, there's these pregnant pauses and guess what? Everyone in the circle is waiting for someone to be like, Hey guys, so what do you think about going and getting a room? You know, what are you guys comfortable with? I feel like this, you know, talk to us a little bit about that. Like everyone's waiting for someone to say that. Yeah. And and doing that, be, you know, I think practicing ahead of time maybe is a, is a great way to do it. Rehearse a little bit so that you hear yourself saying it, so it doesn't come for out sure. really awkward. Uh, but just well, and it will. Yeah, yeah, it will <laughs> for sure. I just think knowing that everyone everyone wants that to be brought up, and it makes right. everyone yeah, right. way more relaxed. It's way better than than awkwardly going back to a room with a bunch of people, not having talked about it ahead of time. And then you only need that experience once where you're just fumble fucking your way through a, a situation with no context or, or previous conversation. You're like, that was not, that wasn't that yeah. fun. You know? Well, yeah. And knowing like, well, what are you into? So I know what I can do, what I can't do, what I shouldn't do, what you don't like. Right. So like having all those conversations makes the whole experience just so much more relaxed and enjoyable. Yes. Relaxed. Yeah. I think that's the best. Yeah. Word as for soon it. as you yeah. say it, everybody yeah, sighs everyone, relief. Uh, like, ten, yeah. yeah. The tense, <laughs> tenseness goes yeah. out quite a bit. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> How about, have you had our favorite question? Have you had any bloopers? Oh man, what, were you we were just talking else? about this beforehand. We were like, we know the blooper <laughs> question's coming up. So we were like, we were thinking about it ahead of time. Um, yeah. So when we moved here, there was Princeton and then the pineapple club. So this was at the other club. Um, and we were like, I think it was kind of early and we went upstairs to where all the rooms are and, um, did our thing. And then it was really dark and we were like the old club we used to go to in another state, um, had baby wipes in every room. And so we were like looking around, like, where are the baby wives? And there were none in the room. So Grant was like, oh, I think I see some across the hallway. So he <laughs> scatters across the hallway, grabs what he thinks is baby wipes, bring them back in. We start wiping up. And then I'm like, uh, this feels weird. It burns. Oh my gosh, it burns. And he was like, what? Bur-? No, it burns. It burns. They were Clorox wipes, not they baby wipes. Wipes. Oh, yeah. No. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Like butt naked, run down the hall to the bathroom. And yeah. I'm like, water, water. I need water. <laughs> I mean, thankfully it was a completely empty, like the whole upstairs, but this is, yeah, it was, uh, it was a painful situation. Yeah. Yeah. Always read the label on something before you, yeah. Read, grab it and then burn so bad. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. That's that sound enjoyable. We had a friend. (laughs) Yeah. We had had a friend one year at desire was using 
a toy after somebody else and they had recently disinfected it yeah. and didn't wait long enough for the alcohol or whatever to you know yeah. evaporate and dry and wound up ruining the evening for her and that yeah. so i can uh, at least you were done not that it made it any less yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little water it seemed to be okay yeah but. Yeah. yeah thankfully it went away pretty quick yeah awesome well and I think if you're okay, we would be remiss if yeah. we didn't ask you how you two handle the the sexual health and safety side of things, because that's another sort of thing that we like to really promote. And it, I imagine if you guys are consent warriors, you're probably also uh, oh, yeah. sexual health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, always, always use condoms and we do checks about every six months. It depends. Like you go through, like we go through times where we're busy and we're not really sleeping with anyone else. It's just us. You know, and then, I mean, recently my classes just got done and it's the holiday season and, um, we've gone to the club a little more often lately. So no, I'm really thankful. Chanel is like the, the condom drill sergeant (laughs) in a room. She's going around and like visually maintaining, you know, is that there is, you know, like making sure everyone got one on. So that's, that's really good too. It's, and it, it is surprising, um, how, that stuff can slip, you know, slip by or that some, a lot of people will not ask or that it just, Oh, there doesn't happen to be any. And that, that, that actually going back to your previous question is another hell no very quickly. So like if, if Chanel, if we're in a play situation and Chanel asks you about a condom guys (laughs) and you, you have about one half of one second to say, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, no, I actually yeah. already have two on. Uh, if you hesitate for a second, that's getting shut down really quickly. Yeah. Um, that needs to be top of mind. You, you shouldn't have to wait for someone else to have to insist that you do something like that. Like you should yeah. have other people's safety in yeah. mind just as much. We've never had so anybody like say no, but I definitely had, an instance where they kind of like paused, like we were me, the, um, the couple were together and then the wife and I were swapping. Um, and then he was just going to go for it. And I was like, condom, where's the condom? And they both like looked at each other and looked at me and they were like, condom question mark. And I was like, yes, condom. And they were like, okay. Like he had it in his jean, you know, in his pants pocket, but like he wasn't going to, unless I like, I rolls are an instant disqualification. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Other than that, though, I mean, everybody's been pretty good about that. Yeah. Everybody's usually it's on before I can say anything. So, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I wear mine around all day. <laughs> yeah. It's like preparation. Yeah, I, yeah. We get a couple of laughs out of that too, because I'll usually, I'll, I put two in every single pocket. And so if we do come into a room, like that's first order of business is like checking them on the bed, throwing confetti <laughs> yeah. style. It is just like by the end, you almost always have at least one or two stuck to random body parts. Like that's, I feel like that's important. So you can just like, if you need another one, you can just reach over, peel it off of somebody's thigh. And then they should, just be, you should be just rolling around in condoms. There should never be more than not open, half no. an arm's reach. Right. Away. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, not open. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the clarification. Chanel. Yeah. 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 Closed condoms in yeah. the wrapper. That was an intro. The one we, the, the, the club we were at, before we moved had bowls in every single room. And I know that's expensive for, for some clubs to, to provide, but I think that's important too. I've been surprised at some of the clubs we've gone to where like you either have to buy them or, or something like, and I know that's not an excuse, but I think any barrier to convenience in that, 
sets sets people up for for bad situations you know so i always i always come with three or four in every pocket (laughs) ready to get them out yeah take away take away all the excuses and yeah i like exactly exactly Mm -hmm. awesome well is there anything else that either of you would like to share i know you had a whole uh page of notes is there anything that we didn't hit on that you wanted to get out there (laughs) I think we covered all the important things, just how sex is different for us and what we get out of it or want out of it and stuff like that. That was big. And then just communications, always a big thing. Yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of the, the important stuff that we talked about in this interview so far was that kind of making people feel comfortable or how to like navigate these situations when they can be awkward. I think that sort of, having low, not, not low expectation, but realizing that we're all just people and these cir- circumstances are all really awkward, like, like that orgy situation. It was fun, like during the middle of it to just be like, Hey, just wanted to let everyone know everyone's doing a great job. High yeah. fives all around, like <laughs> hang in there. <laughs> and Everyone laughs. And like, again, the tension comes out of the air because everyone yeah, they keep yeah. the mood light. Yeah. yeah. Guys, like everyone, I just want you to know you're all doing a great job and <laughs> you know, everything's going well. I think that's important to, to it, it gets really easy in those circumstances, get really wrapped up in what's going on or over concerned, whether it, it, what's happening, you know, if, if something, yeah, and that, and that you, you have to be like a, yeah. 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 And you have to be a, a super serious porn star. Like you can't yes. have fun yeah. with that and yeah. chill out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, people can have a lot of anxiety around it too, especially yeah. oh if it's one of their first times. And For so, sure. and we definitely did. And I think, you know, that might be a rite of passage in and of itself. There is going to be one or two of those first experiences where, yeah, you're going to be a, a wreck mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, do your best and then, and then reflect on it and come back with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little more of a sense of humor about things and just embrace, yeah. that, you know? And then, and then when you're doing stuff and, two bodies squished together and it makes a fart noise. Right. Then it's, <laughs> Laugh about you it. Don't, you don't, it's okay. yeah, you don't have a meltdown. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, com- so. I mean, come on, on it. like even just two people getting their clothes on and off yeah. is a shit show. 90 yep. of the time. Like, so to not laugh when you're, someone falls over trying to get socks on or off or something like that. It, yeah. That's why I leave them on. I was like, someone <laughs> leaves their leave socks on. <laughs> Right? Leave them on. Right here. <laughs> Socks stay on. I like that. That's a good t-shirt. <laughs> we've been coming up yeah, with we've a, lot got a lot of good t-shirts, t-shirts lately. lately. Yeah. Well, t-shirt I mean, it's the floors are always freezing in those places. So yeah. yeah where you keep the socks on. Socks are staying on. I like that. Yeah, I'll never kick you out of bed if you have socks on. <laughs> I like that. It's a good rule. I'm just picturing me like if I wear heels and then, but also bring socks so that I can take, take the heels yeah. off, but put socks, put socks on. on. Yeah. Last night. It was in heels oh. the first half and slippers the second half. Yes. Smart move. Smart move. <laughs> yeah. No, I've learned it. That's an important thing for guys too. Like find boots. Boots are great that slip on, like things that don't have laces and no skinny yeah. jeans. Like if you have to like fight your way out of your pants, you're, it's not, it's not going to work out well for you. Find something <laughs> yeah. that comes on and off pretty easily without, you know, yeah. acrobatics. I wear the tearaways. The- yes. <laughs> All right. I like that. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, th- thank you both. I mean, 
It's been fun. Yeah, it's been super fun. Good, good, good. good. And it's for bearing we're super excited. Our, uh, you know, uh, addled or fogged brains from uh, a short night of sleep and some coffee and fighting for yeah, work. Well, no. you, but. you did all right, I think. Cool. Yeah, no. In my book. So thank <laughs> you, you both. And have have a wonderful Sunday recovery and <laughs> yes. many, many future adventures at the club. I really, yeah. really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so thank much you. for having yeah. us on. Thank Absolutely. you. And we're back. Thank you to Chanel and Grant for coming on the show, reaching out, and we had a great time chatting. Yeah. And shout out to their friends, Jacqueline and Emilio. Come on the show. From the Princeton nightclub. Yeah. We're ready to have you on the show whenever you're ready. And uh, one other thing we wanted to mention, because we feel the need to just clarify a couple of things. One, uh, Grant and I were making some jokes about wearing condoms around to just be prepared. I think everybody knew that was a joke. The only thing I would offer is that it is never a good idea to wear two condoms because they actually create friction and are more likely to break. So I know don't Grant. Do I don't think Grant was actually promoting it, and I would never assume he was. It was just we didn't want somebody out to be like, I never thought I should wear two, but please don't. Not a good idea. No. Just wear one all the time. <laughs> Again, no. <laughs> But just one, yes. Just one at a time. Uh, Anytime you want. The next Are show. You done yet? <laughs> the next show is this Friday. Again, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we have our Focus Friday series, and this one's on sexual health part two. Um, next Wednesday, we have an interview with a woman named Jamie. Yep, and uh, it's fantastic. She's putting together lots of in-person resources for people, so you'll want to check that out. And uh, we'll see you then. Thanks, everyone, for listening. 